You're listening to a message from Third Church in Richmond, Virginia, where we believe we are called together for the renewal of all things through Jesus Christ. To learn more about Third or how you can get involved with our community, please check out our website, thirdrva.org. That's T-H-I-R-D-R-V-A dot org. Thanks for listening. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you and praise you that you are not a far-off God, that you have made yourself known to us in the person of Jesus and that in and through him, we know your grace. Uh, Help us now, fill us with your spirit as we turn to look at your word, that we might encounter Jesus, and that we might seek to follow him and pattern our life after his life. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Good morning, dear church family. Uh, So great to see you on this exciting rally day. Um, Really grateful that each of you are here. I know that some of you have been here all your life, maybe a third, and others of you, this is your first or second time, and We're really grateful um, that each of you are here today. I know it's a little distracting today with all that's going on and there's lots of noise coming up from the first floor. Just think of it as like your friendly white noise machine at home and that you just sort of put it in the background as you go to sleep, except don't go to sleep. Um, We, um, as we know, um, this is kickoff Sunday and it's not just obviously the church that's kicking off activities, but so many things in our lives are being kicked off right now as we sadly wave goodbye to summer and enter back into the busy fall. Um, And if you're, especially if you're a parent with kids like Sarah and I have, um, then you know that this season especially is a busy season. We spent this weekend doing all the stuff, you know, going to open houses and buying school supplies and planning for meals and figuring out bus schedules and and all of that. Um, And especially if you're in a big family like ours, we have four kids. It gets so complicated sometimes with all the different activities and all the different drop-off schedules and all the different sports activities and all the different appointments that it starts to feel like you're sort of like in an air traffic control tower at times. And what Sarah and I have found over the last few years is that when we go into a week like this one without a plan, when we just try to wing it, um, something goes wrong something falls through the cracks. Like a kid ends up waiting at a soccer field for 45 minutes, or a teacher calls and says we haven't signed a permission form, or we get charged $50 because we lost an appointment, or we eat Chick-fil-A six times in four days because we didn't make a meal plan. Um, And so what we've discovered over the years is that we need to approach our life together as a family with a high level of intentionality, with a lot of clarity and even some structure And ironically, the more intentionality we have, the greater structure we have as we approach our busy family life, the freer we feel. We don't feel burdened. We don't feel overwhelmed with rules. We actually feel free because the structure and the intentionality gives us space to actually enjoy life and enjoy each other. So why am I saying this? I'm saying this because you're here and, um, you know, some of you I know are probably Christians and you've been Christians for a long time. And maybe some of you are not Christians, but you're here just exploring and, Either way, I guess that you're here, unless you're, you know, you've been forced to be here against your will, and I'm sure there's some of you teenagers that um, are in that boat, but if you're here, you're probably here because you're interested in your spiritual life, because you want in some way to take your life with God seriously, Um, you want to be intentional in your life with God, and what I want to suggest to you is that in the same way that Sarah and I have to be intentional about the way that we are practicing our busy life together, we are inviting you to not just wing it when it comes to your life with God. <laughs> Don't wing it. You know, there are, if, if you just try to wing it, 
if you try to just sort of casually approach your spiritual life, then what will happen is things will fall through the cracks or you'll lose steam or you'll get distracted or overwhelmed or when you don't feel like it, you won't show up or you won't be motivated. When it comes to something as important as God, as your spiritual life, don't just wing it. Have the same level of intentionality that you might use for other important things in your life. So that's really what Rally Day is all about. That's what today is all about, is that we are inviting you to consider building a higher degree of intentionality in your spiritual life and, and committing to new habits or new degrees of intentionality in your spiritual life is not ultimately a legalistic thing or an oppressive thing or a limiting thing. It's actually a freeing thing because it frees you to enjoy your life with God all the more. So that's my message today. When it comes to God, don't wing it, okay? When it comes to God, don't wing it. So what would it mean for us as a church family to have greater spiritual intentionality in our lives together? That's what I wanna look at you today. So to do that, I wanna look with you at Acts chapter two. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them to Acts chapter two, verses 42 through 47. This is a description of the early Christian church in their life together right after Pentecost. And it's important for us to look at these descriptions of the early church, because just like you might look at the blueprint of an old house when you're trying to renovate it to modern conditions, so we want to look at the blueprints of the early Christian church as we construct our spiritual life today. Not so that we can copy it exactly, we're in a different time and place, but so that we can pattern our lives in the same way that they pattern theirs. Does that make sense? Okay, so let's read Acts 2, 42 through 47. Hear God's word. They, that is the early Christians, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, I, there's a lot here. I don't wanna sort of unpack this text thoroughly, but what I just want you to notice is that there is a clear pattern that emerges. When you look at the way that this early Christian community lived out their life, lived out their spiritual life, there's a clear pattern that emerges. And that's what we wanna look at today. They were intentional about the way they spent their time and the relationships they invested in. So first of all, we see they were intentional about their life with God, their life with God. So verse 42 says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, um, and to the prayers. Now, the apostles were obviously the early leaders appointed by Jesus to lead the church. And they would often gather with the, the, the early Christian community and teach about Jesus and teach about the gospel, much like we're doing now. And it says that people became um, zealous to learn and hungry to grow, hungry to learn about their new life with God. It says they were committed to the prayers, both formal prayers like the Psalms and informal prayers. Uh, it said they, they were committed to the breaking of bread, which is a reference to the Lord's Supper, the sacraments. It says, verse 46, they worshiped every day in the temple courts. So they were worshiping in formal times of worship like we are now, but also in informal times as they gathered in their homes. 
And so what we see is that this is a community that prioritize their life with God. They were a worshiping community, a learning community, a praying community, a praising community. Their life with God was absolutely vital to them, okay? So that's the first priority, life with God. The second, though, we see a rich life with each other. Listen how many times the word together is used. Kids, you can count it, okay, as I read. It says, they devoted themselves to the fellowship. They were all together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread together in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. How many togethers was that? Four, four, yeah. So a lot in just, in just two verses, right? And so this was a people that clearly loved each other, church people who loved each other. Isn't that amazing? That's a miracle in itself. And it said, you know, they couldn't get enough of each other. They were meeting together and eating together and serving together and worshiping together and praising together. And they sold property and goods and distributed them to each other. I mean, what they're doing is, y'all, is they're behaving like a family. A family, a new kind of family that Jesus had created through the coming of the Spirit. And what's remarkable is that these people were all very different, right? They were from different cultures and different backgrounds and different races, And yet they had this profound new unity in and through Jesus that transcended all that divided them. Social boundaries were getting torn down as they lived out this new life together. There was this radical new family that Jesus had created through his grace. They were deeply committed to their life together. Y'all see that? Okay, so that's the second thing. They prioritize their life with God. They prioritize their life with each other. And then the third thing that we see here is that they were prioritizing their outward life for the world. So it says that they were living in such a way that was so attractive and so winsome and so out of the box that a lot of people wanted to be a part of it. It says in verse 46 that they were doing signs and wonders. So they were doing all these works of healing and service, helping anyone as they had need, not just Christians, but everybody. And in verse 47, it says they enjoyed the favor of who? All the people, not just the Christian people, but all the people. Everybody was happy about the way that they were contributing to the community. And of course, they also were sharing the good news about Jesus, about his death and resurrection. And because of all these things that they were doing in their words and in their actions, it says in verse 47 that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So what's key is, They weren't just satisfied with chilling with their own brothers and sisters in in the church. They weren't satisfied with just their church relationships. They were oriented outward toward the city, towards the community, towards their neighbors, towards the world. They had this expectancy that more and more people would be coming in and added to taste the grace of Jesus that they knew. So you see this, this threefold. Do Do you all see this pattern? Life with God life with each other, life for the world, just sort of flowing into each other. Around here, we have this little triangle that we like to use. And some of y'all are shaking your heads because you know where I'm going here. And we call it this up and out triangle. So upward life with God, inward life with each other in the community and outward life for the world. And what you can see is that we did not make this up. Third church did not make this up, this up and out thing. It was actually, we're patterning our lives after the life of the early church and guess what, y'all? This is, a, this is another secret. The early church didn't make this up. Guess who they learned it from? 
they learned it from their master. They learned it from Jesus. When you look at um, the stories about Jesus and the way that we, he lived his life, what you see is that Jesus was also highly intentional about the way that he prioritized his life, the relationships that he invested in, the way he used his time. So for example, if you look at um, a day in the life of Jesus, so for example, Mark 9, uh, verses 2 through 29, you don't need to turn there, I'm just gonna explain it to you. But in Mark 9, it tells about one day in Jesus's life, and he starts the day by going up to a mountain to do what? To pray, to meet with his father. So he prior, he's always going away to meet with his father. He prioritizes his life with God, or he's always going to the temple to worship God with his fellow Jewish people. So he prioritizes his life with God. He, that's a, a, always a very intentional relationship for him. Second, in verse, let's see, in verse 14, he comes down from the mountain and what does he do? He comes right into his group of disciples. He's, Jesus is totally, it is very clear who the spiritual family of Jesus was. He spent more than 50% of his time with just these men and women that he called to be his disciples. He prioritized time with his spiritual family. And then in verse 17, he steps right out into the full brokenness of the world, driving out an evil spirit from a troubled boy. Jesus is constantly doing this. He's moving out into the world in need. He's proclaiming the kingdom of God. He's putting people's lives back together who have been shattered by sin, right? And so you see Jesus following this same pattern, life with God, life with his community, life for the world. You could say that Jesus has three great loves. He has love for God, his father. He has love for his spiritual family and he has love for the broken world. And his whole life is oriented, not around himself, but around these three great loves. His whole life is intentionally driven to foster life with God, life with his community, life for the world. Do y'all you, you see that? So, this is what it means for us to be a disciple. Do you know how many times, this is a little quiz class, how many times is the word Christian used in the Bible? Anybody know? Not zero, but real close. Three, three times it's used in the New Testament. How many times is the word disciple used in the New Testament? A big number. Yes, good job, Melissa. You win a gift card. 200, uh, 260 times, right? So the Bible, you know, is not so concerned about whether you are a Christian or not. It's easy to call yourself a Christian. What the New Testament is really concerned about is if you are a disciple. And who is a disciple? A disciple is someone who is patterning your life after the life of Jesus, who is so in union with Jesus and filled with the Spirit that you are seeking to pattern your life after the life of Jesus, that you too are oriented around these three great loves, love for God, love for your spiritual family, love for the broken world. Are you patterning your life after the life of Jesus? This is what it means to be a disciple. Now, we don't do this on our own. We do this together. That's why this sermon today is called Following Jesus Together. We're patterning our lives after the life of Jesus. So I just wanna spend the remainder of the sermon getting real practical and suggesting to you a couple of ways that you might be more intentional about this this fall. So just like you're planning your meal plans and looking at bus routes and figuring out when you're gonna work out, we're inviting you to be a little bit more intentional about how you are practicing your spiritual life. Is there a way that God might be calling you to take one step, one step 
in your life with God, in your life with the community, in your life for the world, okay? So let's just talk about a couple of different ways that might look, that might look what that might look like. So first, let's talk about this upward pattern, this upward life with God. Well, one thing you could do is you could commit to being here with the church every week. Be fully present with the church every Sunday. Now, that sounds real simple, and it is. I'm just simply saying, show up, right? Show up. And just don't show up when it's convenient to you or when you, you know, you're not at the River House or you're not, you know, have other things to do like a soccer game on TV, but that you just commit to show up every week, whether you're busy or not, whether you want to or not, whether you're motivated or not, but that you commit to be part of the church family that gathers here in this body every week and that you'd make it as important to you as getting to work or getting to school or keeping a dinner date or a concert ticket, that you arrange the habits of your life in such a way that this becomes a core bedrock of the way that you do your life. Now, why would you do that? Couldn't you just listen to the sermon on Tuesday on a podcast? Yes, you could. But guess you, you would be missing out on? You would be missing out on everything that happens on Sunday morning when we encounter the triune God together. We're renewed in our life with him. We repent of our sin and turn away from our self-centeredness and turn back towards him. We hear his word. We turn towards each other and towards our neighbor. We proclaim the truth of the Lord who rules over all. We reweave our lives around the story of his love. We surrender to him. We're sent out by him into the world. And all that happens right here when we gather every Sunday. And notice it says, be fully present. I'm actually inviting you to deep engagement, right? Like you can go to the gym and sit on an exercise bike and pedal very slowly and watch HGTV. And, and, and when you do that, have you gone to the gym? Yes, but have you really gone to the gym? That's doubtful. And so what I'm saying is it, you can be here and yet not be here. Do you know what I mean? And so I'm actually inviting you to fully engage with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is how God calls you to be a worshiper of God with your whole self. So what would that mean for you this fall to fully be present with the church every Sunday? Another way you could do this that is really complimentary to this is to be fully present to God every day. Notice that Jesus didn't just go to the temple to worship collectively. He also spent a lot of time with God on his own. And we see the same pattern in the early disciples. And so we want to actually encourage you to nurture a personal life with the triune God, to learn how to practice scripture reading and prayer, to practice solitude and silence, to practice things like self-reflection and Sabbath. These are things that take a long time to learn how to do. And we've got a lot of resources here. We've got classes to offer in my email this week. I'll send some resources that you can draw from as you figure out and how to nurture your own life with God. This, this could just be a baby step. You know, spending maybe, start with five minutes, five minutes, just reading a piece of scripture and asking God to make his love known to you. So that's the second thing, is could you be fully present to God every day? So those are a couple of ways that you might practice that upward trajectory towards God. Second, let's talk about the community, this inward dimension, our life with each other. One thing you could do is commit to regularly gather with a smaller community. Um, you know, big church is great, but in big church, you can hide. In big church, you can pretend. In big church like this, you can, you can act like you're better than you really are. You can hide all the yucky stuff in your life, and you, you can act like you, you have everything put together. But when you get into smaller forms of Christian community, it becomes impossible to hide. If it's real Christian community, if it's real vulnerable Christian community that is based in the grace, it's impossible to hide. You gotta bring out your shadows. You gotta bring about your pain. You gotta bring out your brokenness. 
And the Christian community is there to support you, to do all the things that we hear about in the New Testament, the way they loved each other, cared for each other, supported each other, followed Jesus together. And so what is one way that you are going to get involved in a smaller form of Christian community? Uh, we have a lot of parish groups available at 3rd, um, groups that are meeting in your neighborhood, so you can't even say that I don't have one nearby, because you do. Um, we have different Bible studies. We have different discipleship groups. Becky Bowers are, or Elizabeth Hayes, our parish director, our director of connections, can set you up with any one of those things. At the very least, I would say, is there one person in your life, one Christian in your life, who knows all of your secrets? Who knows all of the darkest cobwebs and corners of your life? Is there at least one person in your life for, with whom you are fully known and that can speak the good news of the gospel even when you feel at your lowest? We all need that because we all desperately need to hear the voice of grace through the words of another. So that's another thing, regularly gather with your community. Another way that you can commit to this inward practice is to regularly serve and give your gifts. You know, something happens when we serve each other. Something happens when you use what God has given you to give to one another is you start behaving less like a consumer and more like a contributor. You start being less a taker and more a giver, more a creative person who is contributing and you find yourself feeling like you're part of a body, not just going to church. Um, and so you could serve the church in so many different ways. We have all these different teams that you could serve on. Um, you could just serve the church by simply committing to be here and be a friendly face. Um, you could commit to give your money to church, not because we or God needs your money, but because we hear again and again in the New Testament that generosity is a powerful way to activate grace in your life and to experience God's provision. Um, you could learn about your own spiritual gifts and talents and what you have and how you might contribute to the body of Christ. Uh, God has given each of you, you, each of you are so beautiful. You are so beautifully created, given so many rich gifts of time and talent and treasure. And these things are used not to hoard for ourselves, but to steward for the body, as we say every week, for all things come from you. And what we now offer is what? It's already yours. We're just given to each other what God has given to us, right? So that's, those are the, a couple of in practices that you might consider. Finally, this outward dimension. First of all, you could just simply love your neighbor. And this is maybe something you're already doing. And maybe you just might be a little bit more intentional about it. Um, knowing who lives around you, getting to know the people who live on your block, or getting involved in your neighborhood, um, maybe signing up for your local PTA, or you know, just simple ways to love our neighbor, being involved in your parish area, being attuned to the needs in your local community, and sharing the good news of Jesus with your neighbors or your work colleagues when God gives you the opportunity. Jesus doesn't make this complicated. He just calls us simply to love our neighbor. And that's just one simple way that we can have this outward orientation. And another way um, is to love your city and world. We have a a mission statement here at Third. Uh, we're called together for what? You know, class? For the renewal of all things. Yes, you didn't say that very enthusiastically, but I forgive you. Um, and what we, we believe here at Third that God is in the business of renewing everything, not just renewing souls, renewing cities, renewing neighborhoods, renewing the world. And we get to be a part of that. That doesn't mean you have to be a part of everything, but that means that there might be something that God is calling you to be a part of that he is renewing in the world. It could be the way he's renewing our city. It could be involved in bringing unity to the Church of Richmond, which is so vital. 
It could mean the work of justice and mercy through your work or through volunteer or service with our local mission partners. You could be investing deeply in the life of racial healing and repair in our city, which is so desperately needed. Uh, You could get involved with a group of global residents or immigrants or refugees, like through our Wednesday tutoring ministry. You could be involved with a global mission partner around the world. There are so many ways that we get to be a part of the way that God is renewing creation as we hurdle towards the new heavens and the new earth. So on this theme of out, um, I do wanna add my plug for Alpha, that great video that um, we just saw. Um, Alpha is an awesome course that I have participated in many times. um, And I especially would encourage you to think, is there a person that God has put in your life that might benefit from this Alpha course that God might be prompting you to bring along? This course um, is especially designed for skeptics, for doubters, for people who have big questions, who don't know what they believe, who aren't Christians or who aren't sure if they're a Christian or not, who are not sure what they believe. That may not be you. There may be some of you like that, but for a lot of you, that's not you. But I bet there is someone in your life who that describes. And could God be prompting you to bring them along, to say, hey, would you wanna take this course with me? It's just a place where we explore spiritual questions. So I I wanna... Uh, you to consider that. um, And you can find more information on the website or downstairs. Not only that, um, but next week, we're going to be starting a new sermon series on the book of Ecclesiastes. So we're going to spend this whole fall talking about death, y'all. It's going to be so awesome. I'm sort of just kidding, but sort of not. Um, And I love the book of Ecclesiastes. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible. And not just because I have a melancholic personality. Um, It's because... I believe, as someone who is a skeptic and doubter myself, that the book of Ecclesiastes is asking all of the questions that modern people are asking. Like, you know, what's the meaning of life? And why is there so much injustice and violence and suffering in the world? And is there a God really out there who is good? Is life worth living? Y'all, it's not just non-Christians who are asking these questions. It's humans who ask these questions, right? And this book lets us boldly face the rawness of the human experience, and it does not let us off the hook with pat religious answers. So this is an opportunity for you to ask your hard questions and for you to invite others along, even on a Sunday morning, who have really difficult questions about their life and about God. And I promise you, as the main preacher in this church and in this series, I will respect their doubts seriously because I share them myself. And we are struggling with our deepest questions and we are bringing them to God's word and we are seeing ultimately how the gospel answers the deepest struggles of our hearts, right? So I want, I want you to uh, consider that as well. So let's just review kind of what, what we talked about. What we're just simply saying is, how are you gonna make an intentional effort this fall to pattern your life after the life of Jesus? It could be one of these things. You know, I think all of us are maybe strong in one of these three areas, maybe okay at another and really bad at the third. Like you love to worship God and you're okay with Christian community, but you really hate your neighbors. Maybe not hate, but, <laughs> but you're not really interested in connecting with them. Or, you know, you're really involved in service and you love the church, but you just feel like your life with God is, 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 is really faltering. So I just would consider like, what is an area that, what is one of these places, one of these areas, one simple thing that God would be calling you to take one more intentional step to deepening the intentionality to pattern your life after Jesus. This is not about salvation. This is not about rules. 
you know, this is not you earning a brownie point with God. We do not live a more intentional life to earn God's grace. It is actually the opposite. Because we have received God's grace so freely, we now have the freedom to live a more intentional life with him. So whether you're a kid or an older adult or a full-time worker or a full-time stay-at-home parent, there's just, how are you gonna incorporate what you're already doing into this threefold pattern of nurturing love for God, love for the Christian community, love for the world? So here's my simple message for today, friends. When it comes to something as important as your soul, don't just wing it, right? You don't wing it with brain surgery, You don't wing it with landing a plane. You don't wing it with raising a busy family and you don't wing it when it comes to God. The good news is that we don't have to, that Jesus Christ has come not just to die for us, but to show us how to live. Not just to be raised for us, but then to fill us with his spirit so that we can begin to learn to pattern our life after his. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. God is inviting you to follow after Jesus and pattern your life after him, not to create more burdens for you or to oppress you, but to ultimately set you free that in this crazy, chaotic, overwhelming world, we might learn the freedom of walking in the yoke of Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? So here's what I wanna do. I wanna invite you to just bow your heads for a moment and maybe just think of, what's just one thing, one thing in your life? Maybe that upward part of your life, the inward part, the outward part. What's just one thing in your life that you feel like God may be calling you to take one more step of intentionality about this fall? Just think about what that might be right now. Maybe even write it down. And then I want you to do a few things. I want you to, I want you to think about who you're gonna share that with and ask for their help. And then just take a moment to ask for help from God through his spirit that you might take that step with him. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are so grateful that in this chaotic world, you have given us Jesus, not just to live and die for us, but then to show us how to live. He invites us to follow him and to pattern our life after his life. And thank you that we don't do that alone, but we do that in union with Jesus, filled with his spirit. So we pray that, I just pray for each beloved brother and sister here today, that you would show us what's the one step that you might be calling us to make to have a more intentional life with you, life with each other, life for the world. Would you use us and work through us in Jesus' name? Amen.